Good evening, church. If you're at the back, if you'd like to come and take your seat. It is sunny outside and it's a good day to be in God's house. And church, you understand that we're going to worship together.
And through all this song, we can't deny that there's promises for God's people. And that once our life comes to an end here on earth, we will be in heaven. And in heaven, we'll spend eternity with God. Death will be no more. Pain will be gone. Mercy will be there. He will wipe away our tears. And we will be with angels and saints. And this is our confident hope. It's not something that we might get to see. This is our confident hope that we will stand before our Savior and spend eternity singing of his holiness. But if we can just be real just for a minute, and it might not sit well with you, but if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, these things aren't promised to you. You can't be confident that you can say that. And we always hear when people pass away and they mean well and they say like, oh, they're going to a better place. And that might be true, but if they don't know Jesus, the sad reality is that's not a reality for them. And I really believe, I was in the shot this morning thinking about this, and I really believe someone in this room needs to hear tonight that being a decent person, being a nice guy or a nice girl, doesn't qualify you as a child of God. None of us, none of us are worthy. And I'm not saying we're better, someone's better than you. You're, you know, you're not as good as someone else. None of us are worthy to be able to stand in heaven one day. Not a single person in this room is good enough. The only difference between those who will one day stand in heaven before our Savior is simply the decision to say yes to living for God. And Romans 10 verse 9 puts it so simply it tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved and if you haven't made that decision tonight I just challenge you you can't be confident of what your life looks like once the the life on this earth ends you can't say oh, I'll just go to a better place that's not true but it can be, it can be if you choose to spend your life living for God, spend your life glorifying him and spend eternity with him in heaven. Hedging your bets on being a decent person isn't good enough. The song finishes by changing tense from there will be a day when we will bow before him, there will be a day when pain will be no more. And it changes to the present tense and it says, so let it be today we start the hymn of heaven. With angels and the saints, we raise a mighty roar. Glory to God who gave us life beyond the grave. Holy, holy is the Lord. You see, because of Jesus coming to the, to, to the earth and dying on the cross, we live in this part of reality, this part of history that is like already, but not yet. So his kingdom is here already and that God can be glorified already that Jesus came and with that, Jesus brought God's rule, God's kingdom, God's glory here on earth. But the reality is that the fullness of his kingdom, the fullness of walking with him, standing face to face with him, is not something that we will see until he returns in all of his glory. And the Bible describes those who trust in God as citizens of heaven. We're already in the kingdom, but we don't yet see it in all of its fullness. And it just leaves us with a challenge, I think, or at least me with a challenge at least. Are we living in a manner worthy of our identity as citizens of heaven? We have been given a calling as citizens of heaven, as children of God. Are we living a life worthy of that? Are we worshiping him to the best of our ability at all times? Are we seeking to extend his, his kingdom when it's convenient and when it's not? Are we living in the fact that he is worthy no matter what the doctor says? No matter what our bank balance looks like, no matter what that job interview goes like, are we living in a manner in the light of the fact that he is worthy no matter what our life looks like? So we're going to sing it again and I urge you, if you're a child of God tonight, just sit and listen to the promises that God gives to us in this song, that we will be with him for eternity, that we will have no more pain, that he will wipe away every tear. And examine your heart too and, and ask God to show you, is he your biggest desire? Is lo are you longing to walk with him in heaven one day? Are you longing for that nice car or that nice job? And if you're not saved tonight, just take those couple of minutes as and we sing this song again to consider, like, what are you spending your life for? What are, you, what are you spending your life for that could be better than bringing God glory? And with the confident hope that when your days on earth finish, that you will spend eternity in heaven. We can't be confident of that if you don't know Jesus tonight. 
And all that it takes for you to be a citizen of heaven is to say yes to him. So if you want to stand, we're going to sing this song again. I just wonder, would God speak to you tonight? Would you worship him in a new way? Would you maybe get saved tonight through this song? There's people at the back if you want to talk to them after the service. But don't let tonight go without making a decision to follow him. And if you already follow him, make a decision that he is your biggest longing, he is your biggest desire. Thank you, church. Church, you always stand it, sing this song again.
God, we thank you for that reminder from Rebecca, God, that one day we will be standing face to face with you. God, we thank you for who you are. You're so worthy of all of our praise. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's my fault. I can't blame the sound person because I'm married to them. Okay? So even if it was her fault, there's not a chance of me blaming her. Okay? <laughs> yeah. uh, tonight I'm speaking on Barnabas. Uh, as you know, we are into our summer series of speaking on the highs and lows in different characters in the Bible. I said this morning that it's good for us to read uh, these characters, their stories in the Bible, if they were all perfect, they would have nothing to teach us. And as we looked at David this morning, we realised that uh, through his failures, his weaknesses, he was still uh, regarded and spoken of as a man after God's own heart. And uh, tonight I'm going to be speaking on Barnabas. Uh, and Barnabas uh, was given a name. It wasn't his name that he began with in his life. He was given that name. And it simply means he was the son of encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement. The original meaning of the word encouragement means to put courage into somebody. Uh, none of us can live without encouragement, without people encouraging us, giving us support or confidence or hope to another person. Uh, in Romans 12 verse 8, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, if a person's gift is encouraging, let him encourage so Paul understood that in the church itself that actually you needed somebody or everybody had a responsibility to encourage. And the original word uh, as well as one to put encourage into somebody means to call alongside of somebody. When somebody is having a difficult, challenging time, a word of encouragement helps. There are at least two places in the New Testament where all Christians are commanded to encourage each other. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. What a tremendous responsibility, not just for those who feel that they have the gift of encouragement. Everybody should be encouraging. We're all called to have this particular gift. And Hebrews 3 verse 13 says, but encourage one another day after day. And I share with that with you as just an introduction as we look at the life of Barnabas. I like a quote, so I have three quotes, and this will help us with where we are at. The first one is this, a word of encouragement during a failure is worth more than an hour of praise after success. How true is that? When we mess up, when we fail, we do not want people to come and uh, alongside of us and tell us how wrong we were, how we got it wrong and stuff, because they might get the, the, the fist of ministry of fist, you know, because we don't want them to do that. Because, but unfortunately, that's, that's what happens. But a word of encouragement during a failure is worth more than an hour of praise after success. The second one, be an encourager. The world has enough critics. How true is that? If you want to find out, something, if you come up with an idea or you want to do something, you will always find people who will offer their criticism. They dress it up sometimes by saying it's constructive criticism, as I've said before, it's not. 
he says, his criticism, be an encourager. The world has enough critics already. And then to finish off, just so I'm not knocking, or the, the people have a spiritual quote as well, one that I particularly like. It says, every disciple needs three types of relationships in his life. He needs a Paul who can mentor and challenge him. He needs a Barnabas who can come alongside and encourage him. And he needs a Timothy, someone that he can pour his life into. It's interesting that if we stop for just a second and you thought of a time in your life when you were discouraged, um, you would be able to think of somebody who came along and encouraged you by either saying something or doing something or just something happened that just encouraged you. I remember sitting in a restaurant once about 10 years ago and uh, somebody I knew was in the restaurant as, uh, as, as, as we were having lunch and stuff, chatted away to them and I watched them leave the restaurant and finished up my dinner and, uh, and when I got to the, the checkout to the till, uh, they turned around and said, somebody has already paid for your meal. Now, do you know what I thought at that particular time? I should have had a starter and a dessert as well. <laughs> Know what I thought at that particular time? So it's just simple that encouragement that somebody gives us just by the action of that. But each of us can think of a time where we've been encouraged, particularly when we've been discouraged about something. And somebody makes a phone call, somebody sends a text message, or somebody arranges to get flowers to deliver to your door, somebody arranges to get takeaway uh, delivered to your door. I live at 12 Broadlands Gardens, Carrick Fergus. <laughs> but anyway, this is only by way and uh, means of introduction uh, this evening, because we are introduced to this man Barnabas in Acts chapter 4. And it says this in verse 36, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold the field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. The thing I initially love about this person, Barnabas, is this, is that actually changed his name because he was such an encourager. I mean, imagine coming and the apostles recognizing the gift that this man carries, and they actually change his name from Joseph uh, to Barnabas, which means it's a son of encouragement. It's not what his mother called him, but it's a name that he got from the leaders of the first Christian church here, because he simply, this was the sort of guy that, that, that he was. He was just an encourager. Not just by the things that he said, but we see here by the things that he did, but also by the things that he gave. He says a, a couple of things about him. The first one is this, is Barnabas did not write any of the New Testament, but was an encourager of those who did. And we will see how his story fits in with the Apostle Paul uh, and, and, and others there. And we see that he didn't write any of it, but he was an encourager of those who did. The second thing is this, you can be great for the kingdom of God, not just by what you do, but by what you encourage others to do. It's like the power of being on the sidelines. In these day and age, uh, sports teams spend millions of pounds every season, every season, to tell the best sports people, the best footballers, those at the top of the game, to speak stuff into them uh, because they want them to be winners. They want them to win everything. And, and so therefore that thought of encouraging them and giving them the power to come alongside them on the sidelines, there's nothing new. This Barnabas was there at the beginning in the first church and he was doing this already. He was encouraging people and telling people everything that they could be in the kingdom of God. Barnabas made people feel big when they felt small. He made them feel hopeful when they had failed. He kept people going who otherwise might have given up. How true is that? In my early days of doing this, I used to think, and in my ignorance, my naivety and my stupidity, I used to think that when people wanted to come and talk to you about something, it's that they were looking for your advice. They were looking for the great wisdom of Matthew Elliot Davis. I discovered that that was not true. 
I discovered what they wanted above everything else was in their failure, in their weaknesses, in their mistakes. They wanted somebody just to encourage them. They wanted somebody just to come alongside them and say, hey, you know what? You messed up. We're down here. You've hit rock bottom. How do we, get, how do we encourage you to get out of here? They didn't need my seven-step points uh, to get them out of the rocky pit. What they needed was some encouragement and stuff. And I realized that, and hopefully I don't do that still, but the point is this, is Barnabas was like this. This was the man that came alongside people and put courage into people. This was a man that came alongside people and told people all that they could be in the kingdom of God. This was a man that came alongside people and he was the son of encouragement. He had something to say. You know, to be an encourager is a great honour in God's book for Barnabas simply cared more about the success of others than his own. He simply he took second place. You know, and we will see later on as we see the journey, the missionary journey that Paul goes on, that actually Barnabas was the one that was leading. But actually there's a transition of him coming from first to second because he simply was not interested in his own success. He discovered his gift in the kingdom and his gift was to encourage others. Every time you see him or read of him, he's encouraging someone. So the result of it was this, that most of his key friends are better known than he is. But the whole family of God is richer because of his encouragement. There's a wonderful challenge, isn't there, of how much we encourage people. Often we're frightened, in a sense, and we hold back from saying things that God has dropped in our hearts to give to somebody. I've said this before because it's so true in our church that often a lot of the ministry that happens in our church happens after the closing prayer uh, has finished and people are talking to each other and sharing with each other and telling each other what's going on. And what you discover is that there's ministry going on there and it's the ministry of encouragement. Then yes, sure, people have been blessed by the word and encouraged by the, the word. But afterwards, when people are talking to each other and a question is asked, of, how are you? How has your week been? What's going on in your life at the moment? That suddenly that ministry of encouragement comes forward and people start to, to talk to each other, to share with each other. And what you discover is this, is those people who have that ministry of encouragement may never stand behind this pulpit ever but may encourage many, many hundreds of people who come into the church by sharing with them some truth that God wants to give them, by just encouraging them to simply say, you know what, when I came into church tonight, I felt like giving up, but you know what, through the word that I've heard and through the conversations I've had with people, I have been encouraged. Somebody has put some courage into me. Somebody has come alongside me and said, hey, you do not need to give up. God has a plan for your life. This is what Barnabas is. What a tremendous uh, ministry. Well, how did he encourage? Well, we're going to read seven verses from Acts chapter 11. Uh, but two things that stand out, and I'll repeat these because I think this is so important. And in this story, we see how did he encourage? The first one is this. He saw the grace of God at work in the church. And the second thing is he saw the grace of God at work in the lives of others. Acts chapter 11, 19 to 26. The church has been scattered. Uh, the, after the persecution of Acts chapter 8, it says different churches are coming up all over the region. And what has happened here, a church has been planted in Antioch. And it says, now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Barnabas, and they sent out Barnabas, sorry, church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them 
all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. I love this story because this is a story of encouragement. Antioch is one of my favourite churches uh, that we read about in the New Testament, yet there is no letter written uh, to Antioch. It's here in Acts chapter 11 that God is doing the work. And we see Barnabas enter uh, the story. We see uh, that there were three descriptions of who he was. Now, these, these descriptions will always encourage people. You always want to be encouraged. You know what it's like sometimes, and this is so true, particularly in church work, there are some people that bless you when they arrive. There are some people that bless you when they leave. Do you, know, uh, do you know what I'm saying, don't you? Some people, when the door opens and that person walks in, you think, I'm blessed, I'm going to be encouraged. Half an hour later, when somebody walks out, you think, I'm blessed and encouraged because they're going. Barnabas arrives in this situation to encourage the church. Uh, and we see there were three descriptions of him. The first one is this, he was a good man. Which simply, what, what, what does that mean? He's a good man. Well, he, he's a man that, that followed God. When, when the church in Jerusalem, in a sense, the central church had heard what was going on, they thought, you know what we need in this situation? Because there are lots of new Christians, there are lots of things going on. We need to send somebody who is an encourager. Somebody who is going to go down there and not tell them all the things that they're doing wrong and not tell them, well, you know, in Jerusalem we do it like this, you know, and you've got it a little bit wrong here and stuff. So we do this, we, we turn the music down a little bit and the lights up a little bit and we do this. It says they didn't want to do that. They wanted to send Barnabas because he was an encourager. So he was a good man because of that. The second thing, it's not enough just to be a good man. And Rebecca touched on this in sharing about the, the song that actually it was full of the Holy Spirit. That actually it wasn't just about being good. You know, if it was just about being good, all we would need to do is come to the end of our life and make sure the good things that we did outweighed the bad things that we did, then everything would be okay. That doesn't happen. Actually, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit guided and led by the Holy Spirit in everything that he did. He knew he'd been given a gift and he said it. And the third thing that we see was he had faith. Uh, and so therefore he's the one that thinks, oh, I'm heading down there. This is a great opportunity to encourage, to teach the people there. You see, genuine faith expresses itself this way, in perseverance and a determination to keep encouraging others on the journey. Just persevere. You know the two best words to say to people sometimes to encourage them? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. If all we say sometimes to each other to encourage them is to keep going, keep going. That, that's the perseverance that we need because we're all on this journey. And when we find the tough times coming and we find the challenges coming, because they always do on the journey... To have somebody come alongside us and say simply, listen, keep going. Don't fear like it at the moment. Well, that's okay. Don't go by what you feel. Go by what you know. It says, but keep going. Keep going on the journey that God has called you to do. You know, one of the things that I love about this story is this. Uh, you know, he, 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 he went down and he got Saul. And we know Saul was the one that became the Apostle Paul. The, 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 the great conversion experience on in Acts chapter 8 on the Damascus Road. And, and Acts 9, 26, 27 gives us a little bit of the journey that, that Paul or Saul is on. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he, Saul, tried to join the disciples when they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. This is the second thing that I love about Barnabas. It wasn't somebody that just spoke the words to encourage people. It says he took him and brought him to the apostles. Those who didn't believe, he was the one that said, listen, come with me, I will vouch for you. Come with me, I will be the one that stands beside you. And in standing beside him, he encourages Saul who became Paul. 
And in the story that we read in Acts chapter 11, Barnabas is there, he could look at this situation because this is the way sometimes we look at it as leaders and as pastors, we look at it and think, Antioch, all of these people have got saved. God is doing a work here. This is mine. This is the, what God has called me to do. I don't want anybody else involved here. What happens if they're a better preacher than me? What happens if, if God uses them more than me? And Barnabas encourages, because he just doesn't do that. He looks and he thinks to himself, the best person for this job is Saul, who's down in Tarsus, that God has, has done a work in his life, he has got saved, he's back home in Tarsus, I don't want to need to do, I need to go down again, because this is the perfect opportunity for him, it's a perfect opportunity for him to begin his teaching ministry, it's a perfect opportunity for him to develop the gifts that God has given him, and the calling that he's got, that encourages him because he stands beside him. You know when we're alone, when people, when people fail and mess up and they make mistakes or they feel all alone, sometimes the ministry of presence without saying a word is the best ministry you can give to somebody. Just coming alongside them. You don't have to say anything because most of the time the person you're standing beside already knows but just somebody to stand beside them to say, I know everybody else has given up on you. I know everybody else doesn't think that God has done a real work in your life. I know everybody else doubts the plan that God has for you in the kingdom. But I'm Barnabas and I'm just going to come and stand beside you, put my arm around you and say, I'm with you. I'll stand with you. I'll take you to the apostles. Matter of fact, when I arrived in Antioch, I thought, you know what, I know who is perfect for this job. It's Saul down in Tarsus. And I love that. And this is how he sees the two things that I mentioned. The first one was this, that he saw the grace of God in the lives of others. He insisted on believing the best about people and he never held a person's past against him. Thought, who in here can hold somebody's past against them? Not one of us. God has done a work in all of our lives. We have just come from different places and met God on the road. Uh, but the most important thing is this, is to be a church that sees the grace of God in the lives of others. Not how gifted somebody is, not how talented somebody is, but to see that grace of God in somebody's lives. Because we all need it. There isn't any of us that could live without it. Every day we get up, we need it. And Barnabas was king at that, with his gift of encouragement, that he saw the grace of God in the lives of others. And then he insisted on believing the best about people. And then he never held a person's uh, past against him. This is so true, and Barnabas summed up in this as a come to the second part, because we look at the downs. Uh, and this is, this is an important quote. For any of us that are involved in church work, because we are the stewards of the ministry God gives us, not the owners. We are the stewards of what God has given us to do. Antioch wasn't Barnabas's. He had been called to go and do what, what he'd been asked to do, what he'd been commanded to do. But he simply was a steward of the ministry. He says, if I stood at the door on Sunday night, happily stand at the door on Sunday night to see people get saved every Sunday, wouldn't we? Let's be real about this. He says, because we are the stewards of the ministry, not the owners. And so many churches get into problems and difficulties because they think they're the people, they've got people who think they're the owners of it. It's mine, I was doing this since 1955. And so therefore nobody else can do it until the day I go. He says, that's not true, we're the stewards of it. But somebody else comes along that God has called and in that working together, because that's what Barnabas and Saul did, they worked together. Why? Because one was the son of encouragement, but Paul was the son of thunder. It was his preaching as he preached to people and challenged people and told people which way they lived. So they complemented each other's. But it brings us to the, the difficulty that we have because we look at the ups and downs. 
Because sometimes Barnabas' ability to see the best in others became the source of his separation from Paul. Why? Because sometimes, as often with people, their greatest strength can also be their greatest weakness. That Barnabas believed in others and always sought to give them a second chance. And Barnabas, to key, was a patient with the failure of others. The story goes like this as we look at the downside here, the, the, as part of the ups and downs. John Mark is Barnabas' cousin. He had come back from Antioch with Barnabas and Saul in Acts chapter 12 tells us. In Acts 13, Barnabas and Saul are set aside to go on the next missionary journey. They take John Mark with them. Something happened on the journey. We don't know what happened, but Luke simply records it. Now, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Doesn't give us the reason. It doesn't tell us why he left and stuff. It just tells us that he left. But two or three years later, the opportunity comes to return to the mission field to strengthen the saints. Barnabas is the one that wants to take John Mark with him. He's the one that wants to come alongside and say, listen, this guy has failed, but listen, let's give him a second chance. And we've got to be about second chances. But Paul didn't want to do that. Paul had simply turned around and said, hey, you know, this guy, you know, he, he, he left last time. Doesn't give us a reason why he left, but he left. And so who's right and who's wrong? Well, they're both right uh, and they're both wrong because the work of God and the ministry of God is more important than anything. And it tells us in verse 39 that the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And there was no passage in scripture that says when a young missionary has forsaken the work on his first journey you shall give him a second chance but there's no biblical text that says you're not to either so who's right and who's wrong and we have principles that encourage the faint-hearted help the weak be patient with them all but we have principles as leaders as well now actually listen it's a responsible position to lead to do the ministry of god you know, you, you can't have somebody who steps out and then quits on the way. You've got to see this through to the end. Leaders above all else have got to be the ones that keep going, keep going. I mean, no leader is any good if he quits every time, stands up here in the pulpit and says, had a bad week, I'm quitting. He says, comes back next Sunday, he says, it wasn't that bad a week, I'm not quitting. Next Sunday he comes back and says, listen, that week was worse than the first week when I told you I was quitting. He says, I definitely am quitting now. And somebody comes back and says, you don't need to quit. Okay, I'll not quit. What message has that sent to the church? He says, a leader above all else has got to keep going, keep going, and keep going. He says, so Barnabas seemed to focus on the need and potential of Mark. And Paul seemed to focus on the demands and the potential of the larger cause you see sons of encouragement like Barnabas and you need these in the church people who encourage sometimes they're vulnerable to minimizing the importance of truth for the sake of relationship because relationship is more important than anything and you know he'd quit and maybe we understood why he'd quit and maybe Paul was a bit tougher because he was saying yeah but we've got a job to do God has given us this calling on the missionary journey in other words, their very strength can also be their weakness. But what encourages me about this story is this, is that there is a need for diverse people in the body of Christ. We need each other's strengths. The church must be made up of people who react like Barnabas, but there must be made up of people who react like Paul as well. There have to be people who are sons of encouragement. One man can't fit everything that is required he can't hold on to every gift and every ability that there is in the ministry god has chosen to build a community of diverse and different people and that's what church is you see god's aim is not that we all become barnabases now when i say that we all should have the gift of encouragement but we can't all become barnabases because there's nobody there to be born who's got to preach the truth you know, when Paul preaches, you know, it's one of those that the, the cringe is there in a sense because he's saying stuff that's so direct to people. But you've got to have that direct at times. 
Whereas Barnabas comes alongside people and he encourages them in the journey. You know the church needs both. The church needs all. It needs all of these people. You see their aim and this is what encourages me is this. Is their aim is to help each other fight the fight of faith. Endure to the end. You know 2 Timothy 4 verse 11 tells us only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is useful to me for the ministry. Though they fell out, though there was sharp contention between the two of them, this is so important as a church that as Christians when we fall out with each other, we must understand at times nobody is right, nobody is wrong, get on with the work of God. That's the truth of it. That nobody is right, nobody is wrong, get on with the work of God. Because Acts tells us here that they both went and did separate missionary journeys. They both went out to reach different groups of people. And says we must do that as believers. If we learn something from this story, it's that when people say, it's not that there are some people that are right and there are some people that are wrong. There are just some people that are different. And that thought here that I was left with, that simply this, they chose new partners, went on with the ministry of the gospel. And out of one faltering missionary journey, there became two. Because the church, we have a responsibility. And we must not fight and argue with each other. We must not fall out with each other. We must do the work that God has called us to do. And we must do it in the way that God has given us as individuals to do it. So just because you're different doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means God has gifted you different. Let's get on with the work of God. And that's a downside in a sense with Barnabas but we hold on to this that God had called him to be a son of encouragement to have that gift of encouragement to simply say to people listen let me come alongside you let, let me help you let me support you let me sometimes not even say anything but just have that ministry of presence to be known as somebody who just encourages let us take a moment to pray as the girls come and lead us in a final song Father, we thank you. Father, you have not wired us all the same. The God, you have given each of us different gifts and different abilities. And Father, though we have a responsibility to encourage each other, to come alongside each other, to put something of you into those that we, we live with, we live beside, that we belong together with, the Father, we, we come to the end, and this is so important. The Father, even though there was this contention there, this disagreement between the two, they both went their separate ways and got on with your work. Father, help us to have that heart. Help us to have that within us. That just because somebody is different, that actually just because they may not see everything exactly the same as we do, it doesn't mean that they're wrong. The Father, all of us have the responsibility and the calling to reach our worlds for you. And Father, we see that here as Paul and Barnabas go their separate ways. Though they disagreed, they went on two separate missionary journeys for you. And we just thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Ooh. 
Thank you.